The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. now in the underdog sports fantasy hour i am josh dunn i am joined as always by anshu kana anshu we have week one upon us i know you're very giddy as uh, you could probably tell from my voice i am as well uh but how are you feeling on this wednesday night we're recording literally on the eve of nfl football right now oh man it's awesome it's this is probably like you know we've done a lot of these shows and we're really excited right ahead of something whether it's you know selection sunday or one of these other you know, the eve, maybe not the eve of the season, but to be right on the cusp of this particular season, given all the stuff that's happened is, you know, not going to get a lot of sleep tonight. I don't think it's, I'm, I'm super pumped. Likewise. Yeah. We've got a lot, uh, a lot of good games this weekend too, to kind of get things started. Obviously there's a lot that remains to be seen and how things are going to shake out. I know, you know, thinking about our fantasy league, which we're going to talk about later in the show, you know, talking about what do we, what do we do as far as IR spots with, with, uh, you know, COVID and everything like that. It's going to certainly be uh, unprecedented, at least from a fantasy football standpoint, but I will say, I mean, the draft process and, you know, getting back in the swing of things without having a preseason, it, uh, it's kind of cool to have the games right there on the horizon, uh, you know, after we draft without without having a preseason, even though you like to see some guys play, especially the youngsters on your squad. But for sure, I, I, I it's it's like we drafted. I had my last draft last night. I know you have your last one here after we record, and uh, right after we draft, we're basically going to have football and, and guys scoring points for us. Hopefully, it's so yeah. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully not negative in my case at quarterback. But yeah, no, I think that like to have nothing. It's I mean, it definitely opens up the floor for other things, you know, like more variety, more variance, you know, but like, I also think that it, it's, it just makes it so much more fun. Like I, we've talked about it a lot, but like to know the very first time you see Joe Burrow throw a pass, it'll matter, you know, like it, it's for the Bengals. That is of course, like that's wild to me that we, we didn't even have to worry about like all this, you know, all the like, you know, imagination machinations of like, Oh yeah. Like this, you know, this, this doesn't matter, but he looks good or whatever. Like, it's going to matter right away, and that's – we're all on the same page. No one has a real edge in that way except for, I guess, you know, you read your own team's beat reporters, but um, no one knows. Like, none of us have seen them, and um, some teams have been more secretive than others too. So I'm, I think that it's cool because it levels the playing field in many ways too. Agreed, and we're going to start this show out by talking betting lines, and then we'll get to fantasy. Obviously, we're going to mix in fantasy. We're going to hear about uh, Shoes Shoe into the Week We'll talk about my dumpster fire of the week as well, and then uh, we're going to probably touch on a little bit more heavy fantasy toward the end of the show, like I said. So uh, it is worth mentioning Giannis and the Bucks out. Obviously, Giannis didn't play in Game 5. I know we've been talking a lot of NBA. This is going to be a fantasy football-heavy, betting-heavy uh, NFL show, but I think it is worth worth mentioning that uh, it sounds like, you know, the Bucks are in a, an interesting position, and Giannis did come out and say he doesn't want to be traded, but a lot of teams are going to try to get him, on, him to come their way this offseason. Oh, yeah. So. We'll, we'll save no, no. that conversation for another show, though. 
Yeah, that I mean, we've talked about how much of a disaster that would be for our opinions of him. I think for the majority of people's opinion of him. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool that he said it. But like you mentioned last week, Kevin Durant said similar stuff. So let's just wait till the the ink is dry on that super match before we make any snap judgments. All right, let's do it. Thursday night football, and I agree. Uh, Thursday night football, we've got Houston at Kansas City. We're gonna we're gonna go through all of uh, our lines here on BovadaSportsbook.com. The first of that being the 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 opening game of the season again, Houston at Kansas City, and this is a battle of two of really the 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 top tier quarterbacks in the NFL, probably guys that a lot of people will be starting at that position, and then a lot of unknowns at other positions. Uh, for both teams, but uh, more so for Houston. as A lot of new faces. Is David Johnson going to be able to stay healthy? Can he get back to the type of production that he had in earlier years in uh, in Arizona, which I know you'd be very happy about. But Bovada's got this one at 9.5 in favor of Kansas City. The over-under set at 54.5, so expecting a lot of points here. Uh, excited, uh, exciting game to start things off. You should, you should probably expect to see a lot of offense in this one. But Anshu, let's let's talk uh, let's talk fantasy, and then then kind of hear your thoughts on how you see the game shaking out. Yeah, sure. So I guess from a fantasy perspective, you know, you've got obviously Clyde Edwards-Helaire getting his debut, um, and it, you know, a lot of opinions that he's going to carry the load in that backfield for Kansas City. I'm not totally sure he's going to get the full amount of work. Like, I mean, Darrell Williams has been there for a while. They've got, you know, a bunch of different pieces. They like using Tyreek Hill, running the ball, Nicole Hardman, of course. And, you know, you got the MVP, the best player in the league. And so, you know, I'm not sure that we're going to see, like, a whole ton of Edwards Hilaire right away. Um, But it's a great trial by fire for him. And, you know, I'm interested to get your perspective on this uh, before we talk about the Texans. But, you know, like, when you talk about not having an exhibition season, which side – has the advantage you know like no one's you know there no preseason no tackling no live tackling at the same time these guys are going to be itching to hit something so um and you know the, the Chiefs have a target on their back so do you have like a lean either way on like if a team has a, any kind of edge both teams have had the same quarterback as you mentioned with the same coach and play caller for the last few years yeah I mean I I've heard a lot of opinions out there uh, talking heads if you will uh saying that defenses should have the upper hand and I just I, I don't know. I mean, obviously the rust would be the reason that people are saying that, and there's a, there's a definitely an argument to be made for that. But I feel like you cannot simulate game speed without Absolutely. preseason games. And I know that you know your starters are only playing a few series in a lot of those games, but you can't simulate that. And I feel like, especially with offensive players to the caliber of the two teams we're going to watch here tomorrow night, I feel like they can take advantage of that early. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and I feel like you're going to see tempo be a, an extremely important part of these games early on because it's not so much, you know, hurry up offense necessarily. But I think if, if teams can get to the line of scrimmage quickly and tire out a defense audible based on what you're, what you're seeing in the coverages, I think that there could be a lot of high scoring games this weekend. And I've, I've kind of heard it the other way. So maybe I'm maybe it's the contrarian in me on you, but I, I think <laughs> I think the on, the uh, offense has had the upper hand here early on, especially in this game. What do you think? I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I was kind of leaning into that with the mentioning the experienced play caller, coach, um, slash quarterback dynamic. Because, like, I think both these guys are just so damn good at reading defenses. And they have, you know, I don't want to say good play callers in the case of Bill O'Brien, but at least experienced play callers where they won't be overwhelmed. So, yeah, and, and you know, both sets of receivers – to your point, are not slow. I mean, you're looking at maybe two, two, the two fastest receiving cores in the league when you've got 
on one side, of course, we know about, you know, the Chiefs with, with Hill and Harden and all those guys we mentioned. But, you know, on the other side, other than Randall Cobb, who was at one point very fast, I mean, Stills and Cooks, Cooks and Fuller and, you know, all these other pieces. I, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of speed on the field for the Texans, too. I think it's a great point. And uh, I think both teams would be smart to use it to their advantage. We know the Chiefs will. We'll see if the Texans do, too. Yeah, sounds like Cooks might be on a snap count, so he could see mm-hmm. limited snaps. He might not be quite back at full health, um, and Will Fuller probably won't be at full health by the end of the game based on his <laughs> his, his history. He's Scott. He's, uh, when he's healthy, he's like a must-use, especially you know like on this particular team without DeAndre Hopkins. But at the same time, he's always gotten to play second fiddle to Hopkins, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see you know what he's like as – probably Deshaun Watson's primary weapon. I mean, no one really knows yet, I guess, which is part of the intrigue of this game. Yeah, the one storyline I like from a fantasy standpoint that I'm watching is that that Edwards-Hilaire storyline that you talked mm-hmm. about first off uh, when we when we kind of let off with this game is everybody had him, you know, in that 6 to 10 or 11 or 12 range. And I, I just, I think that's a pretty substantial reach. I mean, they're, they're talking in camp a lot about how well Daryl Williams has looked. And I, I mean, I, I just... I, I don't know how much they're going to lean on a rookie early on. I think that I, I, I see the same thing out of like Cam Akers in Los Angeles, yeah. with the three headed monster they're hoping to have there. But I just, I don't know if that value of sixth, seventh, eighth pick is really what he's worth. In my opinion, I, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't have taken him there. I know a lot of people did. Um, obviously I could be proven wrong and he's one of those high, high ceiling, you know, hopefully the floor is, a little high too, but I, I don't know. I feel like there could be a volatility to him this season. Absolutely. And I, I strongly agree with you and my policy on drafts, the first round, you can't necessarily win it. I mean, you could, if you, you know, you find that, that guy, maybe it's Edwards Hilaire, but you definitely can lose it. And I feel like the risk of losing a draft by taking Edwards Hilaire over someone safer, like say a Michael Thomas or someone along those lines, I think, look, it's, it could win you a league. It could absolutely lose you a league, though. And uh, I, I prefer my picks a little less risky there at that in that range that you talked about. Yeah, I feel like you have to. And and staying on that running back theme, we're going to go to Sunday's games: Chicago at Detroit. Uh, Detroit, the favorite here by three. Forty-three and a half is the over/under here on Bovada. Uh, Detroit. I mean, we talked about running back questions with the Chiefs. Detroit might be the the team that has the most questions at the running back position. They get Carryon Johnson back. Looks like he'll start week one. They bring in Adrian Peterson. I mean, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed here in Detroit. Can carry on Johnson, if he can stay healthy, can he carry the load here for Detroit? I know um, Swift has been a little bit banged up, DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the guy that a lot of people were drafting higher early on. And then the injury issues, his, his draft stock has fallen, I know, in, in some of the more recent drafts that I've been a part of. But it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they do with that running back position in Detroit. Obviously, Galladay's a big name. You see the Bears, you have Allen Robinson. You expect Montgomery, if he can stay healthy, to, to be productive. But I think the question mark here is Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions uh, backfield. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, there's a quick rumor out there that, you know, Adrian Peterson might get the majority of carries in this game, which, I mean, that could just be, you know, 11 to 10 to 8 or something. But uh, you know, Matt Patricia and Daryl Bevel both in their histories have been big run first guys, but I just don't know, especially against this Bears defense, how you don't throw as much as possible 
Um, you know, especially with it sounds like a banged up Khalil Mack and, and a couple other pieces that aren't quite at full health for the Bears defense. So, you know, with Galladay, with Marvin Jones, um, I, with TJ Hawkinson and with how good Matt Stafford was at the beginning of last year, I, I, I mean, maybe the running backs will perform because that's kind of like the coaching staff's preferred style, but I would be tossing all day on these Bears corners. So, um, but you know, it, we'll see how they, how they operate. I, I agree. I think that that storyline, it could either, it could be like a, a huge one if one of those guys emerges, but generally, like if you think about the Lions last year, that was so annoying, like taking one of those guys. So, I, I mean, I have pretty much avoided it at all costs. Are you surprised at all Detroit's favored? I know you, you love to see the Bears lose, but are you surprised <laughs> that the, the Lions come in favored here? I know the home court or home field advantage shouldn't be as much of a thing here with COVID. Right, exactly. That's I think that's definitely something to monitor. I I guess I'm not surprised. I think that they are – you know, like taking my bias out of it, I think that it's fair to say they're they're on the same level as the Bears, right? Like, I think that they're about the same kind of team coming into this year. And so, um, I mean, I love the Lions for obvious reasons here, but like, I think that it's fair to say that it's could be close. And look, I, I shit all over Mitch Trubisky on the show many, many times. Um, but like, it is year three of Trubisky and Nagy. And, um, you know, like if... I'm not saying that it's going to be like a Watson-O'Brien relationship, but there shouldn't be a ton of surprises in the play calling and the, you know, all the logistics that go into a game, which I think is going to be a theme as we continue the show. But, like, I, I expect them to be a little smoother than other teams. So um, I don't know that that's going to be better than the Lions, but I think that they have the chance to at least not have that particular issue. How many weeks does Mitch start? <laughs> Who do they play week two? Um, no, I think that, I think it'll be, you know, I like, I think he would have to really tank it for them to bench him, um, which could happen like any given week, but I don't think it'll happen this week. <laughs> I think at least three or four weeks. Let's hope. Uh, Cleveland at Baltimore. This is one of the big games this weekend. Obviously the, the Browns, you know, they've, they've, they, they were talked about as the hot team last year. Didn't really live up to the hype. This is a make-or-break year for Baker Mayfield. They come in as eight-point underdogs into Baltimore. Baltimore, obviously, coming off of a pretty electric season with the MVP and Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and uh, they're favored by eight here at home as far as uh, the line on Bovada. But uh, do you think Baltimore runs away with this one? Uh, yeah, I kind of do. I Look, I think that, the, I, you know, we're just talking about this with the Bears and all this, all this you know, continuity. I think it's going to be a big theme in week one. And Kevin Stefanski, I don't believe, I think he just called plays last year for the first time. And, you know, really smart guy, apparently. And, like, you know, he'll probably try to have all the details flushed out. But I don't really love their chances of going on the road against a very, very motivated Baltimore team at home and uh, and keeping it within a possession. I just don't see it. I'm not saying that they're going to look horrible, but I, I expect them to have a lot of rough around the edges moments, you know? Yeah. How, how productive do you think J.K. Dobbins and Kareem Hunt, the number two running backs for these two teams, mm. can be from a fantasy standpoint? That's a great who-would-you-rather-have situation. Because, um, like, obviously Chubb is, is definitely more sought after than Ingram. And I think Dobbins is, you know, who knows if he's better than uh, Hunt. But, like, yeah, I, I think that's super interesting. I would probably, like, I think your tape, most leagues for sure, are taking Hunt over Dobbins. But I could see Dobbins by midseason being, like, taking over that backfield and having a monster role, you know, the way that Kamara was his rookie year. 
Yeah, Hunt just signed a two-year extension as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So That's right. the Browns, the Browns are committed to him, which you, you hope to see. Uh, when you have a workhorse like that and a change of pace guy like Hunt, that's that's a good sign for an offense. But mm-hmm. if Baker Mayfield comes in and plays anywhere near what he what he did last year, I mean, he he lost them games trying to sling it. And I just I think this is the year where we kind of decide whether or not Baker Mayfield can be, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a Pro Bowl caliber or All Pro caliber quarterback in this league. And if if he doesn't live up to that hype, I mean, how how long do the Browns stay committed to him? God, I mean, you put your number one pick on him. Like, if he has a year like last year, he'll get one more for sure. Yeah. Um, pretty much the same situation as Marcus Mariota is kind of like how I'm thinking about it. But, um, you or know, Jameis last year. Jameis, yeah. I mean, those two guys, exactly. So he did well I think with he's that. Got <laughs> both of them really good starting quarterbacks <laughs> this year. Uh, like, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's a really good question. It's a million, like, Mayfield, I, I was watching him today. He had like a quick comment from his press that was on NFL Network, and it was like he was talking about how he and Miles Garrett had been brought in to change the culture. And I was like, man, you know, I'm thinking about you as being a guy who might not be starting next year. You know, like that is a, a, that is a strong statement. He definitely doesn't lack for confidence, but I would be really like, I don't know, I don't want to be like the old man yelling at a cloud here, but you know, it's it's like, how do you? that is not the statement I'd be making right now that this is like my team. It's my culture that I'm trying to change to turn this thing around. Cause like, you know, you guys sucked last year. Yeah. He's, he's, he's completely tone deaf. I feel like his arrogance (laughs) is like, it's just at at a certain point, it's, I don't think it's happening yet because I think Browns fans still absolutely love him for the most part. But I think at some point, if, if they're bad this year, you're, you're going to start to kind of hear, Browns fans not maybe buy into that confidence or cockiness or arrogance when it's just you're not backing it up at all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was okay when they won the four games two years ago. Like, fine, you're a young guy, whatever, you're number one. It's like kind of your shtick. But I think he got humbled pretty significantly last year and everyone saw it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is it for him. I agree. I like It's a make-or-break year to the extent that, like, he'll still get a chance to start next year. But I think that that's – that's around when you draft a backup quarterback that might hit or you're you're starting to think about the next one, which is not where you want to be when you take the guy for number one overall. Yeah, no doubt. All right, the time has come on to you. It's your, your Green Bay Packers. They're on the road taking on Minnesota. I know we talked a lot about the futures line in this division, the NFC North. Green Bay actually is the underdog in this game as well. So plus two and a half on Bovada. Minnesota's the favorite. This is an interesting game because this has a lot to do with kind of the division. I mean, obviously, these are two teams mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, both coming off playoff years. Green Bay obviously goes to the NFC Championship, loses to San Francisco, but they have a great year. And for whatever reason, they're they're coming in as the underdog again. And fantasy-wise, Aaron Rodgers, his stock, I mean, he was bottom half of the league quarterback in every league I, I drafted. And I just, I don't see that. I think he has too many weapons to not be productive. Uh, maybe this is a week where you struggle a bit against a pretty decent uh, Minnesota Vikings defense, but I just I just don't get why the Packers are thought of as an inferior team from a betting perspective when you look at these lines here on Bovada in both the division futures and in this game. I, I mean, you're preaching to the choir there, pal. I could not agree with you more, and I know I'm biased, but Money second, year, second year, oh man, shoe end of the week? No, not yet, but I think that that's, that's definitely one where I am very confused, especially because the Vikings best player is going to miss this game. They put Daniel Hunter on their IR. So, you know, they do trade for Yannick and Gakwe, but like, you know, a week before the season, I, I know that it's not like, 
oh, you need to know a scheme if you're just like a straight up pass rusher. But that's that's pretty tough. They lose Everson Griffin from last year's team. I I think they've gotten significantly worse, Stephon Diggs. And, you know, they've got kind of the Dalvin Cook extension talks hovering over the team. I I mean, look, I, I know that the Vikings are a solid team. They could definitely make the playoffs in a seven-team playoff format. But, I, I mean, I'm not even saying the Packers are that good. I just think they're clearly the better team. And so, especially without a real crowd in Minnesota, I, I love the Packers' money line in this game. I, I heard today that... Uh, Aaron Rodgers was very high on Jamal Williams' camp. And I obviously, mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon's a guy that they draft, and, and you have Aaron Jones who they're working on a, a long-term extension for, and it sounds like he's going to get a significant amount of payday. Uh, but, but, but how do you see that backfield shaking out? Obviously, Aaron Jones is, is their guy. But uh, do, do you think there's a guy even worth rostering below beyond that? Uh, I mean, I understand if you want to take a flyer on Jamal Williams. I do think they're going to use him a decent amount as a pass catcher. I, I listened to that interview you're referring to as well. And um, I did see some clips. He looks for sure like he lost a lot of weight and he's like gained a little quick half step, which for him, it makes him like a slightly below average running back in the NFL. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. He's obviously like a guy they just love. I, that's the only guy at roster. I would not pick up AJ Dillon as much as like he looks like a monster and he's like you know a meme waiting to happen because of how big he is. I just don't think that they're they're going to put him out there, especially in the first half of the season, too often as they like you know they need people to help block up for Rogers on blitz situations and you know the Packers. Yeah, like you said, like Aaron Jones is their entire offense right now. Him, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers are the whole thing, and so you know. When you, when you talk about all the weapons Rodgers has, it, it boils down to that, and it really boils down to Jones's versatility, which is why I'm actually very surprised at how low Aaron Jones has been going in drafts personally because he he's like everything to that offense. Yeah, I mean, I I did take the A.J. Dillon uh, bait, and I dropped him oh, the, day, the day after uh, yeah, our draft. Yeah. I mean, our draft, uh, it was, as we'll talk about later in the show, it's <laughs> hand, handcuffing and, and having backup quarterbacks on your roster is a thing that uh, almost everybody does in one way wow. or another. So it's, it's, a mm-hmm. wild, it's a wild setup for a league, and we'll, we'll talk more about it. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, and Alan Lazard's another guy whose name's been thrown out there. I, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, he's, he's really – uh, kind of moved up the people's ladder uh, fantasy-wise. And, and you got like Valdez Scantling, whose name, you know, isn't even being talked about on draft boards. So it, it's, it's a great point. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the weapons that they have because outside of Adams and, and Jones, there really wasn't a guy that you can rely on week in and week out. And I, obviously you need Aaron Rodgers' production level to be high week in and week out, and it wasn't consistent enough to be that last year. Yeah, agreed. I think that just like if I had to take a flyer on a guy, I would go, especially in a non-PPR league, I would be looking at, at MBS. It sounds like he's had the best camp of anyone they've had on their roster other than like Rashawn Gary. So, um, you know, if he's got it put together, he is obviously a super talented athlete. And, you know, Rodgers hasn't had a deep threat since Jordy Nelson. So I think that that's, that's a guy to look at in non-PPR leagues. In PPR leagues, um, you know, Lazard in the second half of last year was quietly, like, very solid, like a top 30-ish receiver, which, you know, you're probably not really wanting to start that, but that's like a borderline flex player. So, you know, if you're looking for, like, a PPR piece, I think that he'll start the season as their number two. And if you believe in Rodgers, then, you know, that's probably a guy to look at. Yeah, hey, I've got to. Uh, I've got to believe in him. 
I do too. Hey, me too. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're both taking the Packers in this game on at the two mm-hmm. and a half for sure. Uh, let's go Colts Jaguars. The Colts are a team that a lot of people are very high on this year. I heard. I think they started the year. I think it was six and two last year. They had the. Uh, was it the second best record in the AFC at that point in the season? Obviously, things didn't work out beyond that. But this is a team that has a good defense, has one of the best offensive lines in the league. They had Jonathan Taylor. They already had Marlon Mack, who obviously faced some injury issues last year. The receiver position is going to be interesting. Can T.Y. Hilton stay healthy? They've got a lot of other names, Paris Campbell, some other guys that they hope to get production out of. Uh, Jacksonville, on the other hand, they get rid of Le- Leonard Fournette. They waive him this this, this offseason. The running back position looks like a complete toss-up as to who's going to get the carries there. Uh, let's talk the game first. Obviously, the Colts, the big favorites, eight, eight points here on Bovada. The over-under is 45, so this is expected to be one of the lower point-scoring games this uh, this Sunday. But uh, what do you think ha- happens here in this game, and then w- where do you see maybe getting some production out of guys maybe that we haven't heard the name so often? Love the Colts. I think that uh, this is a, a contender for shoe-in for sure because, like, they, they're just so good. And I, I don't – I'm sorry if you mentioned him, but Phil Rivers is running the show now too, which is a big, big change. It's an upgrade um, though. I mean, Phil Rivers has always been behind one of the worst lines in the league, and he's always been playing mm-hmm. from behind. Now he should be playing with a lead here and there with one of the best offensive lines in the league. So that's a big change for him. And Jacoby Brissett was just god-awful to watch last year. So bad. And, I mean, they add – you know, like – Rivers also goes to, you know, a top five play caller in my mind and Frank Reich. So and Nick Sirianni, like this is a really good coaching staff also for them. And they add DeForest Buckner via that trade with the Niners. So that's who their first round pick was. They add Michael Pittman in the second round as a receiver. So, you know, I, I think that there's definitely a path to Phil Rivers, you know, being a, a great value, hashtag value play for the, for the Colts. And so I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all over the Colts. I bet them to win the division. I think they are head and shoulders above the rest of them. Although, you know, when we started talking about the Texans, I kind of was drinking the Kool-Aid a little. But I still think that at the end of the day, the Colts are just a really well-rounded, good football team. And, uh, you know, my boy Jonathan Taylor, second half of the season, I think that he is going to be probably a league winner. We know Marlon Mack's always banged up. And, um, you know, I just don't really trust those receivers that much to, like, take away from the run game. So I, I think that that's a guy to watch for on the Jacksonville side. Like, man, your guess is as good as mine on literally every single level of that team. I mean, DD West sharks, sharks, obviously a guy people are sure, going yeah. to like, you know, um, mm-hmm. but DD Westbrook's like, uh, he's like a fourth string receiver now. I mean, they, their roster is just so weird to me this year. And the, the, the Fournette move is just, it's very puzzling. And I'm reading into, you know, what went into making that decision? Obviously, he wasn't as productive, and he faced a lot of injuries, as as you would hope for a fourth uh, overall pick in the draft. But James Robinson, who's not a household name, who probably won't end up becoming a household name, according to the Jaguars, had everything to do in camp with them being comfortable enough to release wow. Leonard Fournette. But this is a guy who was FCS, played for Illinois State. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he, he did a lot for them, but... <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, is this this is that you're going to tell me that you released Leonard Fournette so because of an FCS guy that you drafted late? I yeah. I mean, I think it's got to. First of all, it sounds like Leonard Fournette wasn't exactly like the most fun dude in the locker room, and you know, I it's, I agree that it's puzzling though, just because like fine, like let him have a game or two where you just feature him, you know, like just run run him into the ground. And then trade him. Like, you didn't get anything for Leonard Fournette by releasing him, you know? And 
I mean, I, I got to think it has a lot to do with, you know, the fourth year on a number four pick rookie deal. And, you know, also a lot to do with him just being kind of a jackass in that locker room, allegedly. So, uh, I mean, that's got to be it. But also, yeah, who knows? Maybe James Robinson is like the truth. Uh, I don't know. Do you have him in any leagues? I, I didn't get a chance to pick him up. I picked him up in a league as a free agent after dropping your boy, A.J. Dillon, but not because I'm excited about him. I honestly think the most production you're going to get on Jacksonville outside of DJ Chark is Chris Thompson, who's going to be their third down back, and they're going to be playing from behind a ton, and he just – he ate up catches and yards when he was in Washington and healthy. It's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy, but apparently he's looked really good in camp. uh, Are you – are you foreshadowing hating uh, one of our buddies' picks in the draft later on that we'll talk about? For, for who? Gardner Minshew. I don't hate it. I just think they're going to be playing from behind enough that, uh, that, that that'll put points on the board, honestly. Yeah. So I don't, I don't hate him as a fantasy quarterback. I see him in the same light as like a Jameis. He's a gunslinger who's going to go out there and lose a bunch of games, throw a lot of interceptions, <laughs> turn the ball over a bunch. But as long as he stays at the helm, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get an opportunity to score points, and that's what you need yeah. in fantasy. And I do think that he's young enough where you know he's kind of bulletproof. Like I, unless he really sucks, I don't expect them to just like bench Gardner Minshew. How amazing is that to say? That's wild. That, that Gardner Minshew is a more bulletproof quarterback than so many other, others out like there. Like Trubisky, honestly. You were talking about benching Trubisky. That's crazy. Yeah, it's true, though. It's wild. Yeah. Well, there's a quarterback that maybe doesn't have uh, quite as, as long of a leash in Las Vegas. That's so weird to say the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's, uh, that's Derek Carr. I mean, obviously, this is a guy that uh, has had glimpses of a of, of very high amount of success. But your boy Mariota is out there now. It sounds like... You know, it, it, it probably won't uh, happen. He'll have a leash for sure. I, I mean, he's going to be mm-hmm. able to make some mistakes, but Mariota is there for that reason, is to try to kind of put pressure on him. And obviously the Raiders have had a lot of mediocrity and, and some some years that weren't great. Uh, they come in as a favorite, though, here in Carolina. They're three-point favorites on Bovada. Uh, this is a game that I, I think maybe is one of the most unpredictable here this weekend, but there's a guy mm-hmm. here... Uh, with Las Vegas that I do like as a sleeper, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this game and this, uh, obviously the biggest fantasy draw here with Christian McCaffrey. Everyone's watching that. Yeah, absolutely. Myself included. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you're right. It's a total crapshoot. Matt Rule, obviously the new coach, Teddy Bridgewater, the new quarterback in Carolina. So a lot of unknowns there. And then, you know, for the Raiders, you've got two rookie receivers starting with the Tyrell Williams injury. So you got Ruggs and Brian Edwards, who we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, you know, it, your, your guess is as good as mine. I will go with a little bit more of the continuity here again with Gruden and Carr and, you know, all the pieces that they've had. But, you know, I, I honestly could see Matt Rule. You know, Matt Rule's history is at Baylor and Temple, right? And so, like, for them, they didn't have a preseason, really. Like, they would have to go into that first game of the season and just, like, ramp it up. And I think that that's kind of, like, I, I think that helps him in this specific area but i'm not sure that you know that they'll be ready to go right away um but i do expect a lot of points i don't think either defense is particularly good so um excited to see it but i i I guess if i was forced to make a pick i'd say carolina as the underdog at home quote unquote um just because that means that implies that i think that that vegas line would be around um like a seven or eight point favorite for the raiders so that would say suggest that vegas believes the raiders are a lot better do you think the Vegas lines are taking into account the home field advantage as much as they would in years past? 
I, I think that's the million dollar question. We won't know till week two because, you know, and even then we might not know. So, yeah, I, I got to think it doesn't. I mean, Rogers in that same interview said that, you know, they've been practicing with the 70 decibel limit and, um, and that, you know, they, they definitely don't need a silent count is how he put it. So I think that that's, yeah, like that tells me that there, it's not going to be as big of an advantage as it otherwise would be. Yeah, you mentioned the rookie receivers, though, for Las Vegas. I mean, they really like both of these guys. Brian Edwards is one that his name doesn't get uh, thrown out there quite as much as Ruggs. But these are two guys that could be productive. I know, you know, Hunter Renfro is a guy that people had a waiver wire pickup thought was going to be productive at times last year. He's not. He's just not going to be that. He'll he'll have a game here that is, where he's going to be productive. But yeah. I think that this Raiders offense, especially from a fantasy perspective and because I think they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit, it, it, it interests me. I, I, I mm. like I like Waller. I like Edwards. I like Ruggs. Jacobs. And I love Josh Jacobs. So I just I think that you can find some some value late in 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 uh, fantasy drafts. Obviously, you've probably done most of yours up to this point, but I, I think that there's going to be some productive numbers from a lot of those guys. Tyrell Williams is opening the season on the IR, so that's going to give them an opportunity to to make a name for themselves early and to, to try to lock up some some uh, you know more playing time, more snaps at the receiver position. So I think that, uh, mm-hmm. I think you could find value in those guys for sure. Yeah. I, I don't disagree at all. Derek Carr actually came out and said that Brian Edwards reminds him most of Devonte Adams from when they were together at Fresno state. So that's, that's a ringing endorsement right there. And so, you know, whatever gap you think that, uh, you know, a receiver might have on game day, it sounds like Carr is obviously a veteran and been around a little bit. Thinks that Edwards has that game speed. And obviously there's no question about Ruggs' game speed. So, and, you know, that's a really good point. It brings us back to, like, our initial discussion with the Texans and Chiefs, where, like, will that speed, you know, sort of overcome, you know, like the like the experience deficiencies that some of these players have, you know? Like, I mean, will Ruggs just pure speed be enough to, like, you know, get him in space and be too much, like, something that the Panthers clearly haven't really seen in practice? Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. game because there's a lot of question marks on both sides. Yeah, for sure. All right, Miami. I, New- Go ahead. I, I I liked your point on Jacobs because like it's you know it's also in direct contrast to what we were talking about with with Clyde Edwards Hilaire and that like I think that Jacobs is as bankable a you know an asset as there is like in, in amongst the top twelve pick like if you're talking about that little range I don't really see an avenue to Jacobs not being good this year unless he gets hurt now obviously he's going to suck but <laughs> I think that that's like he was so good last year on a pretty pitiful offense. I expect him to be a lot better in year two. Yeah, and I bet he's going five picks below Edwards Hilaire in a lot of a lot of exactly. these drafts, especially in Yahoo. Exactly. I feel like Yahoo, like the rankings, kind of dictate a lot of how the draft goes, which I don't I don't love. Like I wish we could go back to the old days where we use a magazine and then pick it ourselves. But yeah, that's yeah, just kind of where we're at today with fantasy football and technology, and that's the uh, you know that's the way it is. But I, I think Jacobs is a safer pick for sure. I agree with that. And I think he'll end yeah. up being more productive regardless of how good Edwards Hilaire is. If, if they're Ooh. both, if they're both healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I mean, I, yeah, there's just, you were talking about mouths to feed. There are way too many mouths to feed in Kansas city. So I think even if Edwards Hilaire ends up being really good, um, there's just like a good chance that 40 touchdowns go to somebody else, which is too many to like be a, worth a top 10 pick. Agreed. All right, Dolphins, Patriots. Uh, Patriots, obviously not the same Patriots we've seen. I mean, this is the first year they're going to take the field without Tom Brady, but they do have Cam Newton leading the charge now, officially named the starter. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites on Bovada at home 
in Foxborough. Foxborough will probably be a little bit different without fans, uh, whereas you know mm-hmm. Cincinnati, for example, will have the same amount of fans, which is none. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a really that's really interesting. I, I mean, I, again, I don't know exactly what kind of impact the, uh, the non-fans are going to have, but I do know who the better coach is in this game, and I'm excited to see Cam on this team. Just to like this, it's so weird. Like, imagine a year ago saying, "Yeah, Cam Newton's going to be the coach of, or the quarterback of a, a Patriots team without Tom Brady." Like, that'd just be so odd and. I mean, I guess that's just like obviously the theme of this whole year. But uh, I, I'm very excited. I think it's a great opportunity for him right out the gate to, you know, put all of his stuff on display. I would not be surprised at all if McDaniel's and and Belichick just open it up for him. But at the same time, Brian Flores is a coordinator who is familiar with Belichick, and despite Belichick's you know record against his former coordinators, which is insanely good, um, I think Flores is a little bit of a better one. So. Really interested to see this. I was surprised a little bit at how strongly they came out and supported Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback over Tua. And um, I think that, you know, I think this Miami team is not quite, like, as bad as some of the teams we've seen. So while I love the Patriots and with this line, I, I do think that the Dolphins have a chance to, you know, spring some upsets and possibly not be the worst team in that division. Yeah, I mean, this is a fantasy mess, for real. I mean, when you look at the Patriots' mm-hmm. backfield, obviously their receivers, you have Edelman, but outside of that, there's just it's just kind of a mess. I, I wouldn't trust a lot in this in this game, uh, fantasy-wise, but if Devontae Parker's healthy enough, him, yeah. and, him and Fitzpatrick, I mean, th- that, that wasn't a fluke, in my opinion. I think if, if Fitzpatrick is throwing the ball, Parker can have that type of late-season production. I mean, he was a league winner for people at the end of last season. I think that can continue... Sure. If he's healthy, I mean, I know he's been uh, kind of uh, banged up a little bit here in camp, but that's that's one guy I think in this game that you will see production out of, even up even up against the great secondary in New England, which I, I know you're going to hear that the matchup, but uh, I think Parker can still be productive in this game. I agree. I think that he's good. I think that you know, um, I, Preston Williams when he was healthy in the first nine games of last year was you know like the wide receiver twelve in all football fantasy football, so. Um, I know that that wasn't always with Fitzpatrick, but just something to consider. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has made, you know, a lot of money, receivers a lot of money over the years, and uh, especially the last few years. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Parker and Williams and, you know, any other, you know, Mike Gusecki is another guy to to look out for as well. Yeah, I don't know about that backfield. Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, I mean, that's just such a weird backfield, but I would – Breida's a guy I, try, I wanted to have in a couple drafts, and I just I, it was so late, didn't PPR. get him. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think, yeah. I, but he's a guy, he's another guy who gets injured so often that uh, it was, I wasn't too sad to see him fall off the board before. That. <laughs> exactly, yeah, he's a tough one. This is a bad backfield. I hate this game, the Jets Bills. I just this is the most boring. Monster fire. It, I, I, it, it's one of it's one of a couple. Yeah, I might have to be honestly. I'm looking at this or, or the Eagles and the Washington football team and the Eagles. The Eagles were were the dumpster fire so often last year, and I just I feel like I feel like the Bills could be decent. I mean, they bring in Stephon Diggs. Uh, you know, Singletary's had a lot of fumble issues last year, and then you know it sounds like he's had those same issues in camp. Zach Moss could take over as the the lead back there in Buffalo. So there's still some unanswered questions with Buffalo, but they have a good defense, and the Jets. You know, they they brought in Le'Veon Bell last year. He wasn't as productive as as you would have hoped that he would be. Obviously, coming from Pittsburgh and 
I know you know this better than anybody that Sam Darnold just had some really, really rough games that he was seeing ghosts at times. <laughs> yes, he was from, from his mouth. He was, I, I, yeah, I think that the bills, this is a lock. They're, they're going to win this. If you're in a survivor pool, this is the team to pick, um, you know, again, the continuity. And even if like, Thirty-nine even and Josh, a half. Ugh, Bovada, come on, thirty-nine and a half. I don't even want to. I can't. I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it. <laughs> I mean, who are you? Who would you even be watching? I guess Diggs, the new piece on the Bills. But yeah, you can miss me with the Jets. It sounds like Bell barely even beat out like Frank Gore for carries. Um, yeah, they said they said Gore's been their most productive back in camp. I did. I did read that. He's like so seventy. His son is playing like big games on ESPN. Not big games, but he's on ESPN. Yeah, this is this is insane. Um, yeah, Jets are so shitty. Like they're they're so tough. I guess like if Chris Herndon is healthy, he becomes a guy that maybe has value down the line. And Brashad Perriman's banged up. That was like the big get for the Jets this offseason. That's it's not good. It's a really bad team, I think. And I obviously everyone hates Adam Gaze as a coach. I'll be surprised if he makes it through the season. Um, but yeah, like God, the bills, and that's the thing, like the bills are going to be winning this game, you know, 19 to nothing or whatever. And then you're not even going to see them pass, which actually is the one interesting thing about this game potentially. So yeah, this is a horrible game. Dunster fire and shoeing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, wow. That could be a first time ever. Actually, I think, I think there's a production meeting now. I think that Dunster fire in a week last year was about the previous week's worst performance or worst. It, it, it definitely was, but we don't have a okay. we don't have a preseason to, to give a Dunster That's fire right. to. So I'm going to have to say That's what right. I imagine will be the worst game of this week. <laughs> okay, a first and only, right? And here. you're you're yeah. shooing. We we actually did it both ways to, for our listeners to know. It's not just you know the lock of the week. It could also be a, a fantasy lock that uh, she Ooh. likes. So we, That's right. we always leave it up to. Uh, the shoe himself, but uh, yeah, no, I, I love I love the production meeting mid show. That's great. Very no professional. That's yeah, us, man. Absolutely. What about Eagles and uh, not the R words? The Washington Football Team. They're uh, they're six point dogs on Bovada at home, and I mean, this team is going to be absolutely atrocious this year, and the Eagles. When you look at the Eagles, Alshon Jeffrey's probably going to go to the IR. Uh, Jalen Rager, who's the r- rookie receiver that they bring in early in the draft, he he's looking like he could potentially play week one, but he was trending toward being out. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's still there, but I don't know, man. You think? Do you think Miles Sanders and Carson Wentz can get this team back to the playoffs and in a winning form? I just don't know. But I do think that they'll cover that six points easily. I agree with that completely, um, but – yeah, I do think they can. Uh, it's going to be tough, though. I, like Even with seven teams, I think you can easily go seven deep in the NFC, and that doesn't account for a team like the Cardinals. Like, if, if the Eagles were in a worse division, they I would think that they have a – or a better division, sorry. I would think they'd have a much tougher time. But because they get four games against the Giants and the, uh, and the football team, I think that that's going to make them um, – that's going to give them a good shot at making the playoffs. Uh, but that being said, you're right. Like, it is just the Wentz and Sanders and Ertz show, and um, we'll see what like Ortega Whiteside and you know and, and Ward and Rager do. And don't forget Deshaun Jackson's still there as well. But I said um, that. Oh, sorry, my bad. Uh, I forgot about it clearly. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I like I I believe in Carson Wentz. I I know you do too, and uh, I, I I just think that that's enough to will a team into the playoffs. Generally, a good quarterback. 
All right. Well, that's that's probably enough time to spend on that game. Uh, let's yeah, talk Seattle, Atlanta, though. I, I I know we talked about this on a show. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. I, I like Atlanta this year to bounce back. I don't know that they're going to be you know top two or three. This is a loaded NFC. But I think Atlanta's a better team this year than they were last year. With that said, Seattle's going to be a Super Bowl pick for a lot of people. They come in as two-point favorites on Bovada. But I'm excited for this game. This is one of the games I'm most excited for in week one. And I have, I think, no fantasy implications. I think I have Ridley in one league. Wow, yeah. I um, Well, he's he's very interesting. But, yeah, that's I completely agree. And I think I'm with you, too, at least pending tonight's draft. I don't think I have anyone. I might have Matt Ryan in one. Um no, I don't. But yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. I think that, you know, this version of the Seahawks is going to be fascinating because, you know, it, it was trending on Twitter all offseason, like, let Russ cook. Will they actually let Russ throw the ball around more, considering they only have Chris Carson? I think their backup is Carlos Hyde right now. Like, yep. they, they need they need to throw. They have the receivers, finally, like, a really legit pair of receivers. Um, and maybe they go three or four deep, even with Josh Gordon. And so, you know, I... I I got to think that the, the Seahawks, if they are throwing, this game becomes super interesting because I, I do think the Falcons will. And with or without a crowd, you know, that place is going to be – it's going to be conducive to throwing in that dome. So I I love this game. I think there's going to be a ton of points. And uh, I lean towards the Seahawks, but it would not surprise me at all. I'm with you that the Falcons could jump up and surprise people this year. Agreed. Yeah, I mean I, – I... I'm excited for that game. I, I, I still like Julio, obviously. I, I love Calvin Ridley. I think that this, this game, there's going to be a lot of a lot of players in this game that uh, people are going to be watching closely fantasy-wise. Obviously, with Russ and you have uh, Matt Ryan. Gurley. I mean, Gurley, yeah, Gurley's going to be pe- – people are going to be wanting to see how productive he can be in a Falcons uniform for sure, especially yeah. with the upgrade from Devontae Freeman who cannot stay on the field. And, uh, you know, he couldn't even secure a deal with Jacksonville who didn't have a running backs. So <laughs> – but that is my yeah. guy. I don't want to talk bad about that. Of course. Okay. All right, let's still let's. Out there. Yeah. yeah, he's still out there. Bengals might sign him. Speaking of the Bengals, oh, wow. let's Speaking get it of, over here with. Here we go. Let's get it over with. Let's move on to the three o'clock games. <laughs> Bengals are big surprise road underdogs, three point dogs at home. Forty two points is the over under. Terod Taylor is <laughs> Terod Taylor is at the helm for the Chargers. No, not Philip Rivers, and uh, you know Joey Burrow is finally going to get a shot here, aren't you? I. As much as I know the Bengals are going to be bad, there's just so much intrigue to me fantasy-wise on this team. They just have too many weapons. I mean, T. Higgins is their number five receiver right now. That's wild. And, I mean, it's the reason why I'm so, so excited about this game. The Bengals, to me, are the most interesting team to watch this week. Not because necessarily of you guys, although that definitely plays a role. Um, But, you know, it's just like – Burrow, it's not just Burrow, it's like A.J. Green and like just the overall feel, all the moves they made this offseason. I mean, everyone wants to see what they're going to look like. And, you know, there is just no one has any clue. Because last year was such a clear tank job by the end of the season that like, you know, it's no one knows. No one knows what this version of Zach Taylor's team is going to look like. They, you know, mix into the big deal. And so now, you know, they can use him without thinking about, you know, future ramifications essentially as far as like let's run him into the ground get rid of him whatever the case may be you know Jonah Williams is on this team now I like I think I do think that they are going to be very very fun and interesting and they get a great test right away with the Chargers defense that is you know even without Derwin James as good as there is for sure in that division and maybe in the entire conference so I think that that's it's a great test for Burrow right away and you know 
whatever he looks like is going to portend big things or, you know, or change expectations for the rest of the year, dictate it for sure. And so I'm just, I'm so excited and fascinated by this game and this team. Yeah, Taylor said AJ's full go. He might be on a little bit of a limited snap count, but he said he's good to go. He's going to get kind of uh, the full slate of work, at least that you would expect coming off of the hamstring injury that he suffered in camp. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I think when you can open up the field, if if AJ's there and he's healthy, and you can spread the field with AJ, then you have Boyd over the middle, and you have John Ross who you can beat deep. Plus, you you throw it, you throw in uh, Alden Tate and and uh, T Higgins. I mean, I just I've never fun. I've never been this excited be about a receiving core, and it's, and I and we we had a year where we had To and Ocho Cinco. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wow. Definitely don't remember that, but uh, yeah, that's they went like I, I seven mean, and nine that year. Wow, electric! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's going to be super fun. I, I think there's going to definitely be some rough around the edges moments for them, but I do think that overall, Burrow's in such complete commands that uh, could be really, really fun and interesting to watch this team. And uh, you know, on the other side, like you've got a pretty great challenge right off the bat. Like not too too good of a team, but definitely not like one of the basement dwellers for sure. So I think for both these teams, it's such a big game right off the bat to, you know, try to figure out what you're, what kind of team you're going to be down the line. And, uh, you know, whoever wins this, I think is, is really off to the races for the rest of the year. I like the over 42 points is a very, very low number for two teams that have a lot of weapons. So I, I think yeah. even though you're right, the, the chargers do have a great defense. I, I think, I think these two teams are going to score points. There's too many weapons not to. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that um, the Chargers are just built in the form of Tyrod Taylor this year, and, I, and that that's a good thing for them because he is such a unique player that you have to sort of cater to his strengths. And so with a good tight end, a good possession receiver, and some good pass-catching running backs, it's not going to be an easy battle by any means for uh, for the Bengals' defense. Agreed. All right, but they did make a big, lot of big upgrades on the defensive side of the ball too. They get DJ yeah. Reader, Von Bell. Uh, it, it, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. I'm just oh, excited. Man. I'm excited. I love hearing you cautiously optimistic. It's going to be so great. I'm not cautiously optimistic about them winning games. I'm cautiously optimistic about them being an interesting team this year and fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And that's all Completely I can ask clear. for. Yeah. The the difference between last year and this year is astounding to me, just watching them, both biased and unbiased. Agree. All right, Cardinals-Niners. The Cardinals are the sexy underdog, dark horse pick to be very good this year. They just netted... Uh, inked uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins to a huge extension. Obviously, they have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Kenyon Drake's going to have full reign of that offense in the backfield. And then you've got the Niners, who are coming off of that Super Bowl loss. And they're seven-point favorites as far as Bovada. They're banged up. Debo's hurt. Uh, it, you know, it could it, it, it could be interesting to see who they use from a weapons standpoint. But they're obviously a run-first team anyway. And Mostert, you know, had a lot of big games last year. So how do you see this one shaking out in uh, – in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a sheep, but I'm all over the Cardinals plus that number, um, especially without fans. Like, I think that it's basically a neutral site game. And you're right. Like, I, first of all, again, we talked about it last week, but the Cardinals were very good against the Niners that last time that they met late in the season. I feel like that game really catapulted the Kyler, you know, Kingsbury, Drake thing. And so, you know, now, and really Drake's first game too, I believe, was that Thursday. It was right after they had traded for him from the Dolphins. So I think that this is a really interesting opportunity for the Cardinals to, you know, put themselves out there. I don't know that they're going to win, but I do think that's too many points. And, you know, like you said, like, who is catching the ball other than George Kittle 
for, you know, for San Francisco. Is it Brandon Ayuk? I mean, he's pretty hurt, too, and he's a rookie. Rookie receivers don't do a lot. Um, you know, we know Kyle Shannon's as good of an offensive play designer as there is in football, but, you know, they are not working with a whole lot, and we've already made our, our concerns about Jimmy G down. So I, I do like the Cardinals to cover in this. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne will probably get a lot of looks in that game. But, yeah, the Niners are definitely yeah. thin at the receiver position. Yeah. Uh, but that that should be a fun game regardless. A great defense against yeah. a great offense. So it'll be a fun one to watch. Um, sure. As will this one. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. You've got uh, Drew Brees. Uh, obviously, they're trying to, to get uh, Kamara inked to the extension. They haven't finalized that yet, have they? I know they're, I know no. they're close. It sounds like they're close. And then you've got Tampa Bay. Obviously, there's a lot of storylines brewing there, but it does sound like Mike Evans is a little bit banged up. Uh, but this is a game a lot of people are going to be looking at as the game of the week. So 48's the, the uh, over-under on Bovada. Saints are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with the continuity thing. I think the Saints are going to cover this. I think they win by about a touchdown. I do expect a lot of points. Can't imagine that there's a game on the slate that has more fantasy-relevant players in it. I mean – you just go up and down the line. Although, you know, the Saints, they don't really have much aside from Thomas and Kamara, but we all know what those two and Breeze do. So, um, but, you know, on the other side, everyone's drinking the Bucks Kool-Aid. So, you know, you've got, obviously, Gronk, the two ty- the two receivers, probably Ronald Jones, if you don't believe it, Leonard Fournette's going to start right away, and then Brady. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to. It's fun that this is the opening game in that division, and um, I'm so excited. I think you got to look at this game as the game of the week, probably. I have a hot take. Oh, I like it. Tom Brady with Bruce Arians. I just, I don't, I know, I know it's exciting and the Bucks are, you know, they're the team that likes to score points. I just, I don't know if I see Tom Brady at this point in his career being the best fit for that style of run and gun. I just don't. Mm. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if he fits. And that's what I'm most excited to watch in this game is to see if Tom Brady truly does still have it. Because in New England, with that good of a defense, he didn't have to show it as much. Yeah, and I think I think I think playing with this Tampa Bay team, who's going to be in a division where you're probably going to have the most points in the NFL of any division, when you look at having the Saints, you look at having Atlanta and Carolina. Mm -hmm. I I just I don't know if he can keep up, and I I'm interested to see if he can because this team's interesting to me. But I don't I don't know if he can. I, I I I. I'm, I'm again cautiously optimistic that, it, that it'll be a fun team to watch, but I don't know. I think it's kind of a recipe for not disaster because he's one of the greatest ever, but I don't know, man. Joe Montana didn't do great when he went to Kansas City. Yeah, I I think it'll be really interesting because he could not be in further contrast from Jameis in terms of style. Like, and you know, all jokes about Jameis aside, like Jameis can toss the ball around. Very very durable player generally, and you know definitely has the arm to get the ball down the field specifically to Mike Evans, but also Chris Godwin. And so I do wonder if, you know, Brady in his elder state, like if he can drive the ball down the field and take advantage of the stuff that, you know, Arians, that's really what Arians is all about. He wants to get the ball down the field, whether it was with Palmer in Arizona or Roethlisberger in in Pittsburgh, you know, when they were really good and humming along and even with Jameis, when he was playing well, like that's, that's what Arians wants. And I'm just, I think that it's a great point. Like I'm not totally sure that Brady still got it in that arm to take advantage of his weapons in this offense. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because I don't, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know how that fit's going to work, but 
We'll see. And no, pre- no preseason. Like there are so many moving pieces on this team, and they they did not get to work at all. Um, at like uh, you know, in live action. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I, I like the over and the Saints covering though. I, I agree with you. There. Yeah, I agree too. Yep. All right, let's move on to the night games. The Sunday night game this weekend is Dallas and L.A. And I know, Andrew, you were very high on this Rams team when we talked about our futures. They come in as the three-point underdog. Cowboys are a sexy Super Bowl pick. I know you liked that, uh, I think it was plus 6,000 or something crazy for the Rams. Uh, But this is another game. I mean, the Rams, we talked a little bit about earlier in the show. I I mentioned uh, Akers and, and what that backfield looks like. It's kind of a mess. Uh, you you know they're working on an extension. Um, they just they just extended uh, Ramsey. They're working on an extension for Cooper Cup. There's a lot sure. lot going on in L.A. They're trying to pay a lot of players. Dallas has already done that with quite a few of their guys. So <laughs> yeah. this is a but this is a fun game. I mean, this is a great game for Sunday night to start the season. Yeah, I rescind what I said about that Bucks Saints game having the most players. This definitely has the most starters. Like I mean, like Amari and Dak and Zeke and. You said Cam Akers and, you know, Cup and Woods. Uh, obviously, Goff is, is going to start for some people. Higby, Blake Jarwin is kind of like a sleeper for some folks. Like, I, I mean, I think – and then, of course, you got CeeDee Lamb and Daryl Henderson that are probably on benches. So, Gallup. I think they're, they're – Gallup, I, yeah, you mentioned Gallup. He's starting for me. I should know that. He, yeah, he's – yeah, this, it does sound like Cooper's going to play too, Amari, that is. And so, I think that this is – I mean, this is going to be – this is probably going to be the most fun game. Um Obviously, McCarthy's first time in Dallas, but I do think given, you know, his experience, I don't expect kind of like the the growing pains I expect for Stefanski or like Matt Rule, maybe like in terms of like the logistical side, which is a big part of being head coach. I, Anyways, I, I just think that this is going to be so exciting. I'm sure the over-under is as high as any game this week. And uh, yeah, I, I love the Rams. Yeah, it's up there. 52. 52. I, I love the Rams. I think that like people get so caught up in fantasy when they're betting games and don't think about necessarily like the full scope of the team. I know that the Cowboys have a much better offensive line, but defensively when you have, you know, all those pieces that the Rams do, I I really like what they're going to bring to the table. So I do like LA in this. Yeah. I mean the home, the home dogs, I, I, this game is interesting to me. I I would, I I feel like it's about an even line for me. And obviously Mm -hmm. I, Obviously, the Cowboys are the sexy pick, and that's probably where a lot of the money's going on this game, and that's why the line is the way it is. But exactly, yep. I, I I like the Rams as the underdog as well. I think this game will be close. I think it, it's going to be high scoring, and I think that that over is attractive even at fifty two. But yeah, this game, this game, you're right. It probably could be one of the most fun games of the week for sure. Yeah, I mean, it depends what you think of golf, but I do think like especially with the the green running backs that they have, they're going to put the pressure on the guy that's been there the longest. So I do expect it to be golf. All right, we've got two Monday night games. We'll talk about them both briefly. We've got Pittsburgh at New York. Let's do this one extremely briefly. But there is, <laughs> there, there, there is a big storyline here, and that, that's Ben Roethlisberger's back. They are the six-point favorite on the road. Uh, you know, the Giants obviously have some big weapons. They've got Saquon. Daniel Jones has looked good at times, uh, you know, in, in, in his rookie season. And then the receiving cores of both of these teams, big question marks. But fantasy-wise, I feel like there's guys that – you know, people are taking flyers on. You've got Deontay Johnson, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. How do these guys perform in kind of their more exclusive kind of star level roles? Right. Great question. I I think that Shepard is the one that I look at because just because like he has been the number one guy both here and in college. And, you know, while Slayton stepped up and was pretty good at times with Daniel Jones last year, I just think that 
you know, a lot of that was because Shepard was out so much. And so to the extent that we see Shepard in games, I think he is clearly their number one guy. And I'm, I'm a little surprised at how low he's going in drafts, but um, you know, it's, it's easy to forget about him just because like he wasn't there at the end of the year. He wasn't really winning people leagues. And uh, you know, that goes a long way of course in fantasy. And so, yeah, I mean, those are the guys, Deontay Johnson, like, you know, it's hard not to think about all the different guys Roethlisberger has had come out of the woodwork and become amazing like Antonio Brown and others. Um, and so, you know, Deontay Johnson sounds like he's in that sort of realm for Roethlisberger, but they also have Juju Smith-Schuster, who was obviously horrible last year and killed a lot of fantasy teams, myself included. But, you know, it's like he didn't have Roethlisberger and you wonder how different that'll be. And then, you know, like, I don't want to give the Steelers too much credit, but like, James Conner is going way too low in drafts too, in my opinion. Like Agreed. this is the guy, this is their guy. And so, yeah. you know, especially as Roethlisberger comes back, I feel like James Conner is, is someone that needs to get more attention. And I think a lot of people are going to be very happy with having him. I, uh, I literally, I think, I think I was 23rd cause I was the second pick in the draft and I, had Connor in my queue, and I just couldn't bring myself to doing it. <laughs> I was gonna and, say that's it, like me drafting Robinson or something. It's yeah. cr- it's crazy to think that he's there at twenty three though, because he they they've come out and said he's he's a he's a four down three down back. I mean he's he's mm-hmm. we don't we're not bringing somebody in to spell him unless we need to. Um, so I I. I mean, I, I actually think that it was the wrong fantasy move for me. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I physically could not bring myself to do it, so I took Godwin. But um, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, but I feel like uh, I feel like that's I feel like that's a great point, and I, I think that you know the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was out last year has guys like Juju and Connor dropping in drafts just because they didn't have as productive of seasons as they would have with him in there. So yeah, as much as I, I hate this, this team, you, so it, I, I don't need. To, I don't want to belabor the point. Yeah, here. as much as I hate them, uh, <laughs> you bring up some some good points there, and their defense is very good. So uh, yeah, let's move on. Uh, Titans, yeah. Titans, Broncos, last game of the week. This is the second game on Monday night, uh, which we're always happy when they do that here early in the season. It's the Titans, the favorite on the road, two and a half point favorites on Bovada. Forty one is the over under. This is a very low uh, point total here, but. A.J. Brown had a big year fantasy-wise. Denver's now got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, the rookie. Uh, they bring in Melvin Gordon. So there's some some big names in this game, too. Obviously, Derrick Henry. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, Novon Miller for, for Denver is definitely a big factor. No Nick Chubb, it sounds like, possibly for week one. That just tells me that Derrick Henry is going to go off in this game. I mean, we will see how the altitude affects him. There are There has been, like, a lot of research done that those first few weeks – the the, uh, the Broncos generally cover at home, like at an insanely high rate because teams aren't ready for that altitude. And like you combine that with the fact that we haven't had preseason, it might be a tough, tough go for uh, for the Titans. But like just on paper, I mean, I don't know how you don't think that the Titans win this game unless you're totally sold on Drew Locke and those weapons. And I am not. So I think that that's going to be I mean, he's got every chance to become like a very good steal for someone down the line this year. But like I think that generally this is if you look at this game and it's hard not to see it as just like a Derrick Henry fest. Do you do you like Drew Locke? I mean, I, not even thinking about it from a fantasy perspective because I don't I don't think we're there yet in most league formats, maybe in their our two quarterback league, but do you like him long term mm-hmm. for this team? I mean, I I know we haven't seen a very large sample size, but he struggles with the deep ball. I I I I'm like torn because I think he has a lot of tools and he looks like kind of your your 
your stereotypical kind of blueprint quarterback, but yeah. I just don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm excited to see more out of him this year. Yeah, me too. I think that this is, you know, we talked about Mayfield, but like, you know, almost the same situation for like, they love him there. I mean, if you read anything from like Denver beat writers, they, the way they just, they're just exploding over Drew Locke is something. I, I think that what it is, is it just reminds me so much of when Jay Cutler was young. And I know that's an easy comparison to make because they're kind of like the exact same size they both have huge arms actually but like you know they're both very very erratic and at least in college lock was a mess at missouri so i i'm i'm fascinated they definitely have put the weapons around them i mean it's not just sutton and judy i mean they've, they've added deshaun hamilton and kj hamlin like they've got a lot a lot of pieces no fan like they've got a ton around them so there's really no excuse for him not to be good and that's kind of like what cutler was like back in the day too i just I I usually skew away from quarterbacks that aren't pinpoint passers, and and he is definitely not that. So, like you said, very toolsy, but he's like in that Josh Allen mold, but a little smaller too. Like that's that's kind of like his his mo, I think. Hmm. Now it's all coming to fruition. Why you don't like Mitch Trubisky? I, I feel like uh, <laughs> you want to come on yeah. to something. Yeah. There you go. Well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. An hour, an hour and four minutes later, we made it through the whole slate. And I know, you know, it's week one. We're, we spent a little more time on each game because we're, we're giddy about each one. We want to see some of these guys get out there and play their first game or, if nothing else, first game of the season for, for everyone. So very much looking forward to it. We wanted to do something fun since, you know, you may have a fantasy draft or two wrapping up before the season gets underway. Maybe you're listening to this early on Thursday and you waited till the last minute to draft. But we think it's kind of fun to react to the way a draft went and give our give our thoughts on that. So we're going to go through the first few rounds of our big friend draft, the National Football League that we all do together, aren't you? Obviously a, a very competitive league. It's two quarterbacks, two flexes. The quarterback scoring is a little wonky. You, you can really have some, some rough games out of quarterbacks if their completion percentage is down or throwing a lot of interceptions. Um, Negative. To be clear, rough, not zero, but negative. Yeah, it can it can completely throw your week off, which Anchi knows too well, and so do I. I mean, I had James, I had Jameis and Brissett last year, so if that gives you any indication. But let's yeah. let's let's look at round one. I want to hear like you know of the, of the picks in this round, and like like we said, quarterback heavy in this league. So you have what was it, five, six quarterbacks going in that first round? You had two, three. Six, six, eight, yeah. nine, and twelve. So just a, oh. a, 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 you don't see that in drafts. So that gives you a little bit of context as to how this this league is. But looking at that first round, on you obviously you take McCaffrey one overall, which is a very uh, kind of smart and probably obvious, if not Mahomes in this league, but in any other league, it's McCaffrey. But in this in this round, what do you like? Is there somebody that sticks out that you like where they were drafted? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm pandering here, but getting Saquon Barkley at seventh overall to me is absolutely absurd. Like to me, that you know, it we've had every year one running back tends to fall because of the emphasis on quarterback. So you know, one year it was Zeke, which I also think was to you randomly, and you know, one year it was McCaffrey actually, which is crazy. I think it was two years ago he went like at the very tail end of the first. Shouldn't happen, um, and so. You know, I try not to make that mistake, although I was, I'll say I was strongly considering Mahomes there. But, um, yeah, I think that I think that you taking Saquon at seven was about as good as it gets there value-wise. I would have taken him probably at four. 
Yeah, I, I I do like my pick in that round, but I also really really like Derrick Henry at eleven. I mean, I I took really? Derrick Henry at third in a league this year. Obviously, not a league like this scoring wise, but I think Derrick Henry at at eleven in a draft is just absolutely crazy. I know Kamara was there at ten, and Kamara's a good pick. Uh, yeah. You know, I I I get why people are taking quarterbacks early, uh, but I think Derrick Henry at eleven is just a pick that really stands out to me in this first round. Uh, yeah, as one true. as one that's just it's safe. You talk about you know taking risks in the first round with guys like Edwards Hilaire in a lot of drafts, but I think Derrick Henry. I mean, you just can't go wrong with that pick, and to get it at eleven, that's that's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. What about what about round two? Uh, there's a lot of good ones here. Uh, this is kind of a round where a lot of these running backs started to go off the board. People kind of took a break on quarterbacks aside from Drew Brees going, but anybody here that stood out as a great pick to you? Uh. Well, I, I mean, we talked about James Conner. I think that getting Conner there late in the second round after Edwards Hilaire, after, you know, Eckler and Jacobs, I think that, you know, he's clearly the guy right there. So I really liked getting Conner at that spot. I mean, Dalvin Cook, too, at the very beginning. So it's basically a first-round pick. But, you know, that's a good way to come off of taking a quarterback. So I think that the guys that took running backs off of quarterback did a pretty good job overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like DeAndre Hopkins where, where he goes here. I, I know he dropped in a lot of drafts, uh, and I don't, I don't really understand why. I, I mean, he was productive in Houston. I think he has an opportunity to be even more productive in Arizona, in my opinion. So I, I don't really get why he's dropping to the, to the late second part of the second round in a lot of drafts, but I, I do like the value there uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. And really, the other receivers that were taken too. I mean, these are these are guys that are going to put up catches each week. Devonte Adams, who I know you took, Tyreek Hill goes there. These are guys that I think you're you're going to expect to to give you extremely high production, especially with the PPR format that we're drafting in. Yeah, uh, for sure. What about what about round three? Uh, here you have some kind of middling quarterbacks starting to come off the board. I took one. I know that, but uh, there's, there's <laughs> no, still some still some great picks here. I mean, you've got Miles Sanders going here in the third round, Godwin and Julio Jones. Uh, you know, Kenny Galladay, but the quarterbacks. I mean, I know again, it's 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 this league and it's weird and wonky. But to see some some of these names like Baker Mayfield uh, coming off the board in this third round, I mean, that just goes to show you how weird this league's drafting truly is. It is so bizarre. And I mean, this is where you start seeing, like, I think that in the first two rounds, people get it. Like, all right, we can't blow this too bad. Although we've had some horrible drafts, but at least this year it wasn't like that. Um, I, I mean, with that all being said, I love Matt Ryan at the tail end of the round. Like when you think of the guys who went ahead of him, the two picks ahead of him or the three picks ahead of him were Josh Allen, Jimmy G and Baker. Crazy. So like, I mean, with that context, I'm not saying that Ryan is any better than the guys that went after him. Um, but like, I mean, first of all, he definitely is, but like those just to take, to have him be the fourth guy in that run is absolutely absurd, uh, picking to me. And I think that that's why, um, that particular drafter has done, did a really good job. Yeah. I think that's, I think that is a great pick and a good call out. All right, let's do two more. Let's go four and five, four. You start to see a bunch more receivers coming off the board. There's still some quarterbacks being drafted. Uh, you know, you, we talked a lot about Juju Smith Schuster, uh, I think we should probably keep Odell Beckham's name out of our mouth for obvious reasons, but uh, but yeah, still still some big names coming off the board here in this round. I mean, I, I like Chris Carson. I know he's a guy you've you've had stock in in the, the, the past few years. I, I really like that value here in round four. I I completely agree. That's who I was going to say. Carson, Thielen, Gurley, all really good. Obviously, my heart's with Aaron with you, and uh, yeah, I mean, like that's. I, I think that this round 
is actually pretty solid all the way down the line, aside from, you know, maybe one or two uh, that you mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I, I think that generally people did a pretty good job. Yeah. And then round five, I really like your pick of David Johnson. I think that, uh, you know, obviously there's risk there with that pick, but it's David Johnson. And, you know, to get that name in the fifth round when he has a chance to kind of rejuvenate his career in Houston, that that could be that could be one of the the, 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 the league winners, really, in my opinion. But there's there's some other big names that came off the board in this round. Yeah, for sure. I mean, thank you. But a Roethlisberger going right after that, which again, behind those other guys is, is wild to me. I know that he's, no, he is what he is, but he, he could end up being an awesome QB2 for, for that team. And so I think that was a really good pick. I, I like Goff this year. I think that he's like really good. That was who I was deciding between with Johnson and Goff there. Um, I liked your pick of Cam Akers. I think that that was like a good upside pick there. Um, you know, I did not like some of the picks after that in this particular round though. Yeah. There's a few, there's a few obvious bad ones for sure, but we'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll save them, uh, the trouble, (laughs) but yeah, I I agree. There's, there's a few in that round that I would definitely say were, were rough, but I, I, Sony Michelle in the sixth round though, that might be the worst pick of the draft. (laughs) It wasn't good. Um, yeah, if we're going to the next round, yeah, just like really quick love McLaurin, Love A.J. Brown there. Um, yeah, Le'Veon, really, oh, the, I mean, the best one, of course, we talked about this, but Mark and, Mike and, Mark Andrews could easily be, like, the tight end, too. I, I'm not saying that he'll be better than both Kittle and Kelsey, but you can definitely see an avenue to him being better. So, like, I, I mean, I think that was just absurd. Uh, it, you know, like, I, especially because I took Kelsey at the beginning of round three, I thought that was pretty late for him. Um, otherwise, I'm not taking a tight end that early. And then, you know, when you look down the line, I expected once he and Kels- Kittle went that they, they, you know, you'd get a run on tight ends to get the third or fourth best one right here is, is wild to me. So nice work there. And uh, yeah, I mean, definitely some, some decent names here, but this is, this shows you how much you have to reach on quarterback. I had to take Daniel Jones here and it wasn't even like a question for me to take him at that point. That's how bad it got. Yeah. It, I mean, the next, I, we're not going to go through it, but the next round, Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater come off the board early. I mean, it, it, it gets, it gets crazy in this league. So if you ever yeah. want to have like just gray hair by the end of your fantasy draft, Dude, team, we'll so stressful. J- just, just email us and we'll send you our, uh, we'll send you our <laughs> format so that you can pull your hair out. Uh, but, but yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun to do it. It makes, it certainly makes things more challenging and makes trading almost necessary. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely got the juices flowing, getting that draft going, and obviously it's fun to walk through and kind of see how how people did. But anything on you? I know we went long this show. We'll try to keep it a little shorter in the subsequent weeks, but a little little over an hour. We're doing okay, and we hope to see some good football this weekend. But uh, good luck to your Packers. But anything you wanted to add? Thank you. Likewise, to your Bengals and to all your teams, uh, as well as yeah. I mean, I think that I think. God, this is just the best, man. Like, it's so good. And after all the horrible shit that's happened over the last seven months, like, just honestly enjoy it. Because, like, it's going to be frustrating. We're all going to have, you know, horrible moments this Sunday and probably tomorrow or today if you're listening. And, like, but, like, at least we get this stuff again, you know, because, like, it could very easily be all of us just, like, twiddling our thumbs, you know, doing work stuff or whatever. So it's it's cool to be able to have this to, um, you know, take our, our attention away. I couldn't have said it better myself, friend. Uh, yeah, so like, enjoy it, and uh, we will see you guys next week. But our time's come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. Enjoy week one.